Have you ever felt like that life is about hurrying up and then waiting? <laughs> it seems like we wait in line all the time for all kinds of things. No matter what, we're waiting. We're waiting at the light. We're waiting at a, at a especially a government office somehow. We're just waiting in line, doing whatever. Online is really awesome, so we don't wait as much. But they're still waiting. It seems to be everywhere we're waiting. Sometimes we wait on purpose. We go to Disney or Bush Gardens or you know, Universal or whatever like that, and all of a sudden we spend hours in line waiting so that you know, we can have 15 minutes or 15 seconds excuse me, of some ride, some enjoyment, but we, we do that on purpose. We wait. We wait. And it, it, life is a, a lot like that. There's a lot of, a lot of waiting. When I was uh, <clears throat> younger and Lisa and I were just married, I had a hard time learning to wait. And so I would say, I would say, okay, let's let's go at this time, you know, because see, I had this compulsion that if someone said be there at seven o'clock, that means I'm knocking at the door at seven o'clock, not seven o one and not six fifty nine. I know it's it's a disease, but but I've, God's helped me; He's worked on all that. So I wanted to be there right at seven o'clock, and so I would say, so Lisa, we leave at this time. But somehow, to be fair to her, I always would always recalculate, which means, uh oh. I need to leave five minutes earlier than I told her. And then I'd be upset at her to not be on time. And I'm outside waiting. And okay, I might have honked a few times, but God has just helped me. So sometimes, some, sometimes it, it just seems like life is full of waiting, right? It's not easy, is it? It's Christmas is about waiting, isn't it? Christmas is about having the gifts and being there. And maybe as a child, do you, do you ever look at the Christmas tree or look at the presents and go, I can't wait. I can't wait. It, it's hard. But the joy is found in the waiting. And I just wanted to mention this morning that waiting is not just something we do in life because there's a lot of people around or whatever, but waiting is also a, a, a spiritual property. It's a spiritual element. In your Christian life, this week, right now, you need to understand about waiting. Because you see, I believe with all my heart that Christianity is defined by the quality of our weight, not, not necessarily the achievements that we, we do or the things that we get done. More often than not, your Christianity, how you live your life is directly dependent on the, the measure, the quality of your weight. How are you waiting? How are we waiting on, on God? I, I, I want to, uh, so I want to talk about the quality of of our weight, but I, I want to look at Psalms 27 and just start there, just as lay as a, as a foundation, because it's, it's a direct um, sort of question and answer of how we learn how to wait, and what is our weight really about? Psalms 27, 13, and then into verse 14 says, I will, this is David, he's declaring, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And take heart and wait for the Lord. Okay, so let's break this down real quick, right? Just look at, look at what God's Word is telling us this morning. First, David is saying, I will see the goodness of the Lord, the blessing of God for his people. I will see that in the land of the living. Now, some commentaries look at that and they say, that's heaven. And I think, oh, well, it, it could be. But, but more directly, if he's saying the land of the living, he's talking about now. He's saying, I'm going to see God's blessing now in my life. Come on, we need to believe that. We need to hang on to that. And not just believe that, but the power of the, the Scripture, it says, I will see 
God's blessing in my family, in my life, in my finances, in my business, in my world. I'm going to see it. And then he says how it's done. How do we see it? And that's what the next verse is. It answers that, and he says, I will see it as we wait on the Lord. You'll see it as you wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. Now, if we break that down just a little bit, proportions make a difference. So we focus on, ah, I'm, I'm going to see God's blessing in my life, so I've got to be strong. Got to be strong. Got to be strong. Okay, which is right. I got to have courage, which is right. Be strong and have courage. That's right. That's what the verse says. But you notice what's emphasized here is not just be strong and have courage in your spiritual walk, but to learn how to wait. Because that's said twice. I will wait. Be strong and be courageous, and I will wait. Are you waiting for what God is to do in your life? And what does that mean? What, what, Greg, what does it mean to wait? <laughs> How do I wait? Wait is defined in this context in two different ways. If, we, if you just look at the word wait. Wait is, uh, it, 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 it means firstly to, to anticipate something. It's in, to prepare for something. So it's not a, it's not a wait, I'm just going to wait here and do nothing. Think of nothing, be nothing, achieve nothing. No, 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 no. That's not the kind of wait that's talking about here. This wait is, I'm anticipating something to happen. I'm anticipating. There's an element of faith in this wait, right? So I'm anticipating God do something. God's going to move in my life. So I'm preparing. So all through the scripture, when you see waiting going on, which is everywhere, in almost every story, there's some kind of waiting going on. As you see that waiting, it's always in, uh, I'm going to believe God's going to do something. I'm, I'm going to prepare my heart. I'm going to prepare my mind. I'm going to prepare my family, my attitude. So that's a, the first aspect. To do something is an active. It's not a passive wait. It's an active wait of preparing. But the second meaning of wait is just as important and one that we may not have thought about. Wait also means to serve. We have a waiter. You have a, a, a wait staff. You have people that wait. It means, literally to wait, literally means to serve other people. Not just, just to wait around and say, God, what are you going to do this? But it means to, to have this understanding of how am I going to serve? Am, am I going to do something? And, and it reminds me of a scripture. Just hit it real quick. Out of Matthew chapter 8. So Jesus goes over to Peter's home, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Now watch this. It says that when Jesus saw her, Peter's mother-in-law, and how sick she was, he touched her, and the fever left her. He healed her. She got up and began to wait on him. She got up and began to serve Jesus. Now, that's amazing, and we want to do that. Say, God, I want to serve you. But we got to get the order. If you don't get the order, if you then then your, your weight, your service to Jesus is going to be flawed. And I think so often this is where we stumble. This is where we mess up. The, the, the order we have here is that Jesus saw her, right? He saw her. He saw that, that who was there. And then he touched her. He healed her. And then after he healed her, she got up and began to wait. See, you got to know that Jesus sees you in your flaw, in your failure, in your weakness, in your sickness. He still sees you. Sometimes there's a, 
erroneous teaching that's out there that sometimes people stumble into that when Jesus was on the cross and all the sin was put on him as it was, that God had to turn away because God could not see and look on sin. That's totally false. It's taken from a, a, an Old Testament scripture that's twisted. And actually what it means is it, it says, it literally says, God cannot look on sin and not act. <laughs> In other words, he can't see your sin and not do something about it. <laughs> he can't see your sin and not send his son to die so that you and I can be forgiven, so that you and I can be cleansed. That's what it means. Jesus sees us. He saw the thief. He saw the weakness. He saw the failure. He sees our sin. But he doesn't just see it and look away. Like, oh man, that is so disgusting. <laughs> you know, there's some things we, as, as parents, you know, we can do. You know, maybe one's really good with helping the kids when they're bleeding, and the other one's going, uh-uh, no, not that's it. And the other ones, some are good with uh, sickness, and, and uh, I told Lisa I wasn't good with diapers, you know, because it stinks. I wasn't very good. And she taught me how to do it. You just plug, plug your nose. Literally, I had, I had something on my nose. And I learned how to do it. So it's sometimes we think God has to look away because of our failure, but he doesn't look away. He sees us. And God sees you. He sees your struggles. He sees your pain. He sees every single aspect of what you're going through. And then he touches. He heals. That's what God does. And if you're sitting there singing, but God, I, I got this, and I'm struggling, and I'm really hurting there, I want you to know he sees and he touches, he heals, forgives, he's gracious. Then we can get up and serve. And if you're trying to serve out of your own ability, if you're trying to serve out of your own effort, if you're trying to serve, then what happens is our own human motivation and selfishness. It all just gets all jumbled up in there. Say, so, Greg, how do we, I don't know how to separate that. Well, what you have to do is you have to be seen by God. He does. You have to be healed by God. Then you're able to wait. She got up and served Jesus that's what it means to wait, to actually serve Jesus. He saw her. He healed her. I think there's some stories I want to share, the Christmas stories that's going to help us understand the quality of our weight. How do we measure the quality of our weight? So this morning, I want us to just wait. <laughs> Breathe easy. Everyone take a deep breath. And allow God to move in your life this morning. Allow God to speak to you. If you're watching online, I want you to just don't be distracted by everything being around and just listen to what God has to say and listen to what God wants to do. Do you realize the very first commandment that Jesus gave his disciples after he rose from the dead and then taught them for 40 some odd days, he taught them and then he went into heaven. Before he did this, he said, I, okay, I need you to get something first. Do something for me. I want, I'm commanding you to do this. And the disciples go, oh, yeah. What, what do you want us to do, Jesus? They just spent 40-some-odd days hanging around Jesus, who had been risen from the dead. And so, okay, they were highly motivated at this point. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Jerusalem. And Peter said, yeah, yeah that's right. Let's go to Jerusalem. And we'll knock on every single door. And we'll, we'll pull out those priests and the, and the Pharisees. And we'll tell them, no, no, no. Don't do that. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and then, and, and then uh, 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 Matthew said, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll take up a collection, and we'll start helping and, and feeding people. Yeah, 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 but no, don't do that. First thing he said, I want you to go and just wait until you receive the Holy Spirit and be empowered. 
And, and in other words, until I release you. Wait, then I'm going to release you. And then, then I want you to do that. That's hard, isn't it? The disciples said, uh, just wait. Yeah, wait till it's my time, till it's my purpose, till it's my power, till I'm able to do something. This, this, this word, literally wait, it, it, you know what it means? Sit down. Go sit down. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Because it's not time yet. It will be. And it will require everything, including your very life. <laughs> but right now, wait. Right now, that's what it means to trust me to wait. I want you to go and sit and wait for my timing. You know, they say, I don't currently have a, a dog or a puppy, but some of, some of you are dog people, some of you are cat people, right? Right? So they say if you're going to train a puppy, as soon as he gets home, as soon as he, they're able to, to leave the, the mama and, and you get the puppy home, you're supposed to, if you're going to train, train right away, start right away. It seems like the hardest moment, right? Because the puppy's like going, yeah, yeah, over here, over here, pee, over here, over here, pee. Come on, someone, someone tell me. That's what it does. That's what they say. So they're supposed to train right away. And, the, and the, one of the first things you got to do to train the little puppy is to teach the dog how to stay. That's hard. It's so full of life and full, so full of energy and do that. But watch this. When you're teaching them how to stay, Almost immediately, stay, and then the next thing you teach them is to go, release. you got to have a release word that you put really, really close because they can't do it until, and then it gets longer and longer and longer, longer and, and they learn, okay, sometimes we just like little puppies. Oh, God, I want to do it. I got it. I want to do it. I got it. And he said, just stay, learn some things that I want you to understand. And we get all, all excited, but... They teach the release word because the stay only works if you know he's going to release me. Come on. It's going to come a time when the, it's going to be fulfilled. It's going to come a time when this promise is going to be, work out. It's going to be there. I think sometimes we're not so much dog-like um, Christians, but we're more like cat-like Christians. Have you ever tried to train a cat how to stay? They say, I read it on the internet, so it has to be true. They say that you can train a cat to stay. They just said, it's really, 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 really hard. <laughs> yeah, and I think some, because the, the puppy is all excited and has energy and just wants to lick you and love you and, you know, just be full of like that. The cat got an attitude. All cats have an attitude. The ones across the street come over and sit and poop in my yard, they, they got some attitude. I used to fight them, I just gave up because... They're just so stubborn. They're like that. And if you're a cat person, I love you. That's fine. But that's the way it is. Cats are amazing. But <clears throat> they just, they, and I think sometimes we are more like cat-like Christians. God, I want to do it my way. God, I want to do it my timing. God, I will determine when this happens and when this doesn't happen instead of trusting God and waiting on God and believing God. See, Jesus taught us how to wait. Jesus' whole life, his whole ministry was about waiting. It was about learning to wait. <laughs> Learning to understand when was the right time. Because very, very, Jesus was not need-driven. And so often in our life, we become need-driven. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Especially if it's your nature to want to help everybody. You cannot be need-driven. I see a need, Greg, so i got to do that. No, 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 no. Jesus was not need-driven. He was voice-driven. He said, I only, I only do 
uh, John 5, 16, 5, 19. The son can do nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Wow. That's an amazing line that Jesus begins with. The son, me, I can do nothing by myself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. In other words, when he's released by the father. And Jesus taught us from the very beginning, it's not about the need, it's about the voice. Hearing the released word, trusting God, listening to what God's saying. He would walk into places and heal everyone. He would walk into some places and heal one person and then walk away. Everyone else saying, what? What is that about? Come on, Jesus. Because he had somewhere that the Father wanted him to be. He had a mission. He had a purpose. You would just think, well, Jesus should have just come and emptied every hospital and healed everybody. Well, he did. He healed everyone's heart and everyone's soul that would be open and receive that. But it was, it was about so much more than that. It was about being sensitive and saying, I'm going to wait on my Father. And he would spend all night in prayer listening. Why would God the Son, God, completely God, pray all night to hear what God the Father was saying? Because he understood I cannot just go around and do my own thing. I have to. This is what the whole, the, whole, the whole understanding of Jesus coming as a little baby submitted himself to the Father to show us what does it mean to be voice-driven? What does it mean to be sensitive to the, to the weight that God has? You see, if we're not, weight can be overwhelming. If we're not trusting him, if we're, if we're saying, oh, oh, God, what about this? What about this? God, this isn't happening. This isn't changing. This God isn't happening. God, you said it. It's not happening. And all of a sudden, we just start freaking out. No, 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 no. You're seeing the need. You need to hear the voice. You need to be sensitive and say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? That doesn't mean we don't do anything. Don't get me wrong. We're going to talk about that. But it just means we're open to what God is trying to say. So the Christmas stories teaches us some real important things about learning to wait. And how to wait. The first thought is very simple. We sang about it in worship. Trust. Trust. Trust measures the quality of your weight. How much are you trusting God? That will determine the quality of your weight. And the quality of your weight determines, I believe, our very Christianity. Are you determined to hear and trust what God is saying? Now, Joseph loved Mary, was engaged to Mary, and then one day, Mary shows up and says, Joseph, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Okay, that's a moment. I don't care how righteous you are as Joseph, that's a moment. And she says, but it's all good because God did this. Yeah, right. So the Bible says that Joseph was um, a very righteous man and that he wanted to follow the law. And the law says, you've got to set it aside. That's what the law says. Follow the law. I've got to do what the law says. But he also loved her because it says he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace and, and maybe even execution, you know, to show up pregnant outside of wedlock at, in the first century. Not a good moment, especially where she was from, especially that hometown of Nazareth. Not, not a good moment. So he loved her, and maybe that was the reason he was doing what he was doing, and he he, he knew the law, so that was what was he was doing. But what's fascinating is neither one of those things were entirely the truth in the case of why Joseph was doing and was going to put her aside privately, what he was going to do. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it said, Joseph, 
the angel comes to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Do not be afraid. Now, all the other times the angels show up in dreams or whatever, it says, don't be afraid of me, of this moment. <laughs> it's always like that. But this is entirely different. He didn't say, Joseph, I know that I'm freaking you out because I'm an angel that's coming into your dream. No, 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 no. He says, don't be afraid of doing what you need to do, which is to take Mary as your wife. Joseph was motivated by fear. And you see, the opposite of trust is not doubt so often. It's fear. What will other people say? What will other people think of me? If, 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 if instead of learning to wait, to serve, to prepare, to do that in the way that God wants, then we say, God, I'm afraid they're not going to understand. I'm afraid they're going to think bad of me. So he was most, most surely afraid of people. But secondly, I think he might have been afraid that uh, Mary, she's a good girl, but maybe it wasn't all her fault. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe she just couldn't tell me the truth. So maybe he was, he was afraid that, uh, of what people would say, or maybe he was afraid that what Mary was saying wasn't true. But I think the third option is probably more likely. He was afraid of what that Mary was saying was true. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, he's supposed to marry this woman who is going to carry the Messiah, the Son of God, and you as a father are responsible to make sure that you raise the Messiah who's going to deliver all of Israel and all of all the world. Okay, no pressure. But as a father, I look back and I go, okay, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have said that. You know, there's moments, I know it's hard for you to believe because I'm such a perfect dad. But... Sometimes we feel like... We do. But imagine the pressure. I'm raising Jesus. <laughs> I'm raising the Messiah, the Son of God that people for 2,000 years in Israel have been waiting for and believing for and all this, all the way, all the way back to Abraham when he says, I'm going give, to give you somebody else. Come on. I think he was afraid. Are you afraid? And if we are afraid, it affects our service. It affects our weight. Trust. Trust in God right now for who you are in your family, in your life, is the measure, is the quality of your weight. Are you doing it right? God, am I doing it right? Am I, am I living for you? Okay, let's go back. Let's put in trust. Because trust, trust, trust God. God, I trust you. I don't understand, and I'm afraid, and it's not working out like I thought, and it's taking too long, and I don't know if it's ever... Do you trust him? Because that is the quality of your, the measure of your, the quality of your way. That is it. We have to trust. It's not a complicated message. Do we just trust him in the, in the middle of everything that seems to be going wrong? Joseph had to say, okay, I trust you. But not only trust, and this one's a little bit harder, but listen to me, but obedience. Obedience measures the quality of your weight. Are you willing to just obey what he was saying? Trust is one thing. God, I trust you. This just stinks. But in my will, I obey what he has to say. Well, I obey what God wants to do in my, in my life. So the Magi, the wise men, right? They see the star born, and I believe that's when Jesus was born, because it probably took a year and a half of the wise men. There's probably about a hundred of them, okay? Not three. 
They, these, this, this was not uncommon. It was a huge caravan. And they traveled all the way from Babylon or whatever, far, far over there, and they're traveling to see the one that was born. They saw the star, they knew he was born, and they had to get there, which means what? They traveled at night. Talking about a night shift. Imagine for a year or whatever, a year and a half, you are traveling at night, every night. You would be so tired of that. You would be like, I'm done, I'm done. I want to see the daylight. I want to see the sun. I have to sleep during the day where it's hot, and then I have to travel at night because we have to follow the star. That's all they had was the star. But as they got close and they realized, well, it's almost going to happen, it, then, then they thought, wait a minute, we're right next to Jerusalem. So this must be where the, where the, the baby, the king, is born. So they stopped following the star, and they went for the shortcut. And say, let's just go ask the king. Let's just ask the king. The king will know. He will surely know. And they got there, and guess what? They did. They said, absolutely, he's going to be born. They looked it all up and, and uh, pulled out the textbooks and, you know, and looked it up online. And online it said, in the internet, it said Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's what it said. That's what they did. So, so they said, great, Bethlehem. And then they left. And then they realized, wait, where in Bethlehem? Because, you know... It wasn't a clear roadmap, <laughs> you know. It, 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 it wasn't like Apple Maps showing us how to get to the Christmas party we're going to this Friday, by the way, that you're all going to be at. It's not, it's not, it's not that, right? It, it was a little bit unclear, and I love, I love it. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, it's one of my favorite Christmas verses. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. They were overwhelmed. Why? They already had the directions. It wasn't enough. The king's direction wasn't enough. They just knew Bethlehem area, surrounding fields, something that wasn't enough. The shortcuts that we take in life are never enough. God, I know you want me to do this. I know you want me to trust you and obey you here. I know I'm not supposed to do that, but God... So I think more than anything, they stopped following the star because it just got a convenience. I'm tired of following the star. Just tell us where he is, and we'll go. We got all this gold. We got all this frankincense. We got all this perfume. We got all these things. We need to give it to him. By the way, Jesus was rich. You know that? Because this stuff was a small fortune that they gave to Joseph and Mary so that they could live. God takes care of the people. Come on. God, God takes care of the, the people. <laughs> God will take care of you. I don't know why I said that, but that's just, someone needed to hear that. But when we take shortcuts and we say, oh, I'm going to do it my way. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. It says, make every effort, make every effort, make every effort to enter his rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. You know, they go, oh, well, they took the shortcut, it didn't work out. But you realize they endangered Jesus? Because the king had every evil intent to kill Jesus. God intervened. You think, oh, that's, that's awful. But 30... They estimate 30 young baby boys were massacred, were killed. 
Why? Because the Magi disobeyed. Imagine if they never went to the king. Imagine if they just kept following the star and doing, even though it was hard and tiresome and difficult, if they just kept following the star. Now, it's, God's grace is there. It's part of prophecy, and I understand all that, but I'm just saying, you understand obedience? I, did, I wanted to skip this part. I didn't want to, this Christmas message, it's Christmas, you know. Yay, yay, yay. I didn't want to skip this part. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you... Let them know. I got to be reminded. Disobedience costs. It costs. Sometimes it costs for those that are most closest to us. Lord, help me. Lord, help us to just obey. It's so easy. We live in a world that says, ah, ah, it doesn't matter. Sleep together. Ah, it doesn't matter. Cheat on your wife. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll do this. It doesn't matter. Cheat on your taxes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just like this. Everybody does it. The world does it. It doesn't matter. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to serve there. You don't need to do that. Just do your own. Just be more convenient. God, help us to be obedient. To set an example of obedience to those around us. So trust, so simple. The Christmas story is so simple. Trust, obey, obey. And then last, serve. Serve. Service measures the quality of our weight. Your service, what you do, measures the quality of, of how much you love God. What? Really? No, no, no. no. It, it, what I do doesn't, doesn't measure how much I love God. Well, according to Scripture, it does. Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, became pregnant. And then she said, okay, how does this work? <laughs> she was a first century young woman who was engaged, she, she understood some stuff. You know, you know what I'm saying? I don't need more, more. She understood how this worked. And so she's saying, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, how, how, how does this work? <laughs> the angel wasn't clear. He said, God's got it. Do we not say the same thing? How does this work, God? How are you going to do this when it's already done? How are you going to do this when this is not going to work? How, this is not possible. God said, I got it. I got it. What was her response? I love this. I love this. <laughs> she said, Lord, I am your servant. I will wait on you. I will trust you. I will obey you. I am your servant. That's what her declaration, in the midst of all this, how does Mary process everything that just happened, everything that she's risking, her very life? How does she process that? I will be your servant. Isn't that sweet? Gee, Mary was the servant of Jesus. Isn't that just precious? But you know, she put real hands to that. She got up knowing that Elizabeth was pregnant and got and traveled, her being pregnant, on her own. Elizabeth was already a few months ahead, three months ahead, something like that. Gets there and says, Elizabeth, 
I'm here to serve you. Wait, I thought you told me how to serve Jesus. How do we serve Jesus? We serve others. She went and she carried an anointing she probably wasn't even aware of. She carried a, a, a glory, a power she didn't even know. And so when she gets close, it says in Luke 1, 44, it's just, it, uh, Elizabeth said, As soon as the sound of your voice reached my ears, the baby jumped in my womb, leaped. John leaped and was filled with joy. Oh, my goodness. Her service, I'm going to go serve, and I'm going to bring an anointing that's going to bring joy. Are we willing to serve with an anointing that brings joy? Are we willing to really get our hands dirty? She had to go. She probably cooked and she cleaned because maybe Elizabeth didn't feel well. It's like we were singing. It says, baby Jesus didn't cry. Oh, he wailed. Come on. He was a baby. That's like saying, you know, he didn't feel any pain. He was human, 100% human, 100% God. He wailed and wailed and wailed. And Joseph goes, that's the Messiah. <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? But he... I totally got distracted on the baby's crying. Are we going to trust God? Are, she had to go and do all those things and take care of all the little nitty-gritty things. It was probably her hard. She's on her hands and knees, scrubbing Elizabeth's floor, thinking, wait a minute, I got the Messiah. I got, the, I got the Messiah in me. Why am I scrubbing floors? Because when we have God in us, we don't scrub floors. Oh. When we have God inside of us, that's what we do, is get down on our knees and wash the feet of those that are hurting and helping. That's, who we, that's what it means to wait on the Lord. Let me end with this. Jesus is telling the story of the end. The end, end times. Disciples, just like Jared, tell me the end, tell me the end, tell me the end. <laughs> what was it like? Jesus says, I'll tell you the end. This is what happens. I'm going to come back, take everyone that's, that is, is, is mine, and everyone else dies. That's where that's the ending happens, by the way. It's all just done. Just black everyone. And then there's going to be a celebration, and then there's going to be a, a judgment. And everyone's going to be on the right, and everyone's going to be on the left. And the ones on my right, because right is right, anyway. So everyone on my right says, I, I say, hey, I was in prison. You came and saw me. I was hurting, and you came and healed me. I was sick, and you came and visited me. And they said, hey, I don't remember ever doing that to you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Matthew 25, 40, whatever you did for the least of these, of mine, you did for me. You waited on me. You served me. That's amazing. Jesus says, if you do it for the least, for the hurting, for the wounded, for those that are the most unloved, if you do it for that, you've done it for me. And then he goes on and says, okay, all you guys, I was really hurting and alone in prison and you didn't even come see me. I was sick. I was wounded. I was forgotten. I was cast aside. I was hungry. And you wouldn't even give me food. And they said, Jesus. No, 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 no. That's, we, that, you're thinking of somebody else. That's not us. Jesus said, 
when you did not do it to those that were hurting in the least around me, you did not do it for me. How do we wait on Jesus? How do we serve Jesus? Oh my goodness. Do you realize the measure or the quality of their weight was determined by what they did for others? In this context, in this story, that was it. Those that helped and loved and gave as though unto Jesus, in. Those that did not, even though they might have the right attitude, the right intent, they did not. I can't tell you how much that disturbs me. <laughs> God, the measure of my weight is on how I serve others, how I give to others who can't give back, who are the very, very least. I say, Greg, I don't think I did everything I needed to. Okay, I don't know. You didn't, because we are messed up and broken. But that's why he sees us and heals us and restores us so that then we can go wait on others. Come on. It's not hard. Trust, obey, serve. Trust, obey, serve. This is the measurement and the quality of our weight for Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, teach us. Teach us, Lord. Help us, God. Sometimes we're so broken and so selfish, so wounded in ourselves and who we are that, God, we can't even see to help. But we do it for the wrong motive or we do it for the wrong reason. But God, I trust you. And I believe in everyone that's right here is trusting you. And God, if they don't know you, if, if, if they haven't trusted you with their very soul, with their very heart, if they've been pushing back and walking around thinking I'm going to do my, my way and go my, my uh, direction, God, I pray right now, you touch every single heart and, we, and just help them declare, God, I trust you this morning. I trust you with my very soul. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my finances. I trust you, God, I trust you. And so, Father, as I trust you, let me obey. Help me obey. Help me. Teach me to obey all that you ask, even when it's unpopular, even when I'm open to ridicule, even when nobody else understands. Help me obey. And then I will serve as though I serve you. God, I'm praying for that for every one of us. We pray in faith. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said?